There we go. Welcome to Big Jim's Garage. Big Jim O'Brien, your host. My buddy Matt Yoakum from Fox on the, on the phone. Morning, buddy. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. Hope you guys are as well. Uh, is it snowing up there, or is it going to be 85 and sunny? Because it'll probably change by lunchtime. What's the joke in Michigan? You know it, Matt. If you don't like the weather in Michigan, wait five minutes. It'll change. Although it is raining as we record this today, and then this gives the weather people an opportunity to use their thing where... Well, it's a lot of rain, but if this was snow, you'd have 37 feet of snow. Like, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Everyone's going, all right, I can get this. I can get that. My Arctic snowmobile is already fired up. Bring it back out for one more ride. Um, that was fun yesterday. That's the word I kept using. Just, I can tell you guys were doing your, your, your Zoom session and watching you guys as you had your conversation going on during the race, which was really fun. Um, but as a fan sitting home, just sitting on the couch watching a nascar race and it it was real racing it wasn't digital where you reset the tires and all the other crap i mean it was real racing did it feel that way to you when i look at yesterday and a number of different things that races through your head of what you're seeing on the television and my takeaway was there was a lot of unity excitement emotion all on display you know seeing the drivers who for 71 days haven't raced a car walking up the grid with their helmet because, you know, they have to carry their own safety stuff due to social distancing and the protocol rules. And you're seeing crew members with their PPE on. But then you look at the normalcy that crept in with Darius Rucker, who's from South Carolina, saying the national anthem. Sounded great. You had had the touching moment when we had all of our true heroes, our medical folks, who simultaneously gave the command to start engine. But once the green flag dropped, I felt like it was any other race at Darlington because the competition, the excitement, side-by-side, you're you're back to racing. And the same experience happened when we had the iRacing on FOSS. Once the race started, it's the real reality show, live sports, back on television now, and it's the real thing. And, you know, you're watching your favorite driver if you're a fan. You're pulling for this guy or for that guy. And you're like, all right, oh, yes, there aren't fans in the stands. And you would only notice it when uh, our director, Artie Kempner, uh, would have the drone fly over to to basically show that, yes, we are ongoing, but there aren't any fans in the stands. Um, And you could see there were campers in the infield. So there was – some new normalcy because of the pandemic, but yet there was old normalcy at NASCAR's oldest super speedway with the racing going on and the yeah. great battle we had. Uh, you know, it was fantastic. Well, and it was interesting too, um, Matt, that, you know, and I wrote down some notes during the race. Obviously, we're going to talk about Harvard getting the win and Matt Kenseth coming back in the top 10 was amazing. But these young guys, and not the Alex Bowmans and Byrons and them and Chase Elliott's because they're the middle guys now. Tyler Reddick and Nemechek and these guys, these dudes who, they're rookies by title, but they've been running for a while. And yesterday, you start to see these guys do not back down with, with some of the old dogs and, and the, the standard bears. You can see these young guns are coming in a hurry. I laugh because last year at Homestead on NBC, uh, when they were you know interviewing the champion, which was you know Tyler Reddick and Xfinity, and you had... Cole Custer there, and they were joking about moving up to Cup in 2020. And they kind of threw in a couple of zinger one-liners laughing about how the Cup guys better get ready because they race a different way. And people chuckled, and you had a little bit of the chuckle hut going. 
But at the end of the day, they delivered because yeah. this is how they race. They're up on the wheel, you know, and, you know, you saw it on display at NASCAR's oldest racetrack, which typically you look at Martinsville and Darlington, the two places where it seems like drivers always get their last first win at because it always takes so much experience because they're so demanding and so tough. And to see Tyler Reddick uh, running up front like he was, uh, you know, John Hunter Nemechek, the same thing, to, to run in the top ten much of the race. I think they sent a message. I also think if you look at Byron Michigan's Eric Jones, yep. another stellar run there. You know, every time he's competed there in a cup car, now this is his fifth time, He's been in the top 10, including a win last year. I really feel like as the driver market, you saw that Alex Bowman announced that he was re-signed with Hendrick Motorsports. I feel like the next guy that you're going to hear an announcement from will be Eric Jones. Someone uh, either picking him up, uh, pulling him away from Gibbs, or he'll be locked in again at Gibbs. But I feel like he's one of those kids where people are like, hey, you know what? Um, I really sense that this is a Joey Logano situation. Every year in Cup, he's had a weird situation. He was out west in the second car to, to Furniture Row. Uh, he came back to the, the east side of the country at Gibbs, but then we had a rule change. There's never been back-to-back years where he had the entire same landscape, and I feel like he's going to have a Joey Logano knockout performance so where do you want to see him in an ideal situation and i'm not saying you you you, you know you, i'm sure you're privy to information i know you are the stuff that we don't know matt but in an ideal what would be an ideal situation for eric jones would he be the fourth card penske i think that there's a lot of opportunity for him i could see him at hendrick motorsports replacing jimmy johnson in the 48 there you go i could see him totally at uh team penske maybe as a fourth car, but possibly replacing Brad Keselowski in the two because Keselowski's deal is up at the end of the year. And they've already announced Joey Logano's deal. They've already announced Ryan Blaney's deal. So possibly the two car could be in play. And if it is, Eric Jones, I mean, to me, reminds me of Rick Mears, reminds me in a way of Joey Logano. He fits that Team Penske mold, and I think he would excel there. And there are some folks here in the Motor City I, I get where we're recording this that I know some folks here um, over the years have said that Penske kind of whiffed on Eric Jones. Is he, had a, he had a shot at him earlier and never didn't get him. Well, I think if you look at everything is all about timing right. and there's always opportunity. And so many times that opportunity doesn't come back around, but sometimes it does. And if you look at what Eric Jones has gone through, it's like Joey Logano. Joey Logano He's a different driver, and you look at the success he's had with a change of scenery, you know, how he has blossomed into such a, a fantastic champion, not only on the racetrack, but even more so off. He's so impressive. Right. And I feel like if you look at the experience that Eric Jones has logged, uh, you know, with Furniture Row, with uh, Gibbs, you know, he's primed for, in, in many ways, think about this there, Jim. You go back and look at through the years. It doesn't matter if it's NASCAR, if it's IndyCar racing, sports car. A lot of times, uh, and it hasn't been this way for about 15 years, but in the past, it was always a driver's second or third job where you saw him become a champion. You saw him win the Daytona 500. Dale Jarrett's a perfect example. And I really think you could see that with Eric Jones. Uh, if he doesn't stay at Gibbs and he gets an opportunity at Penske, it's an opportunity at Hendrick. I really feel like he's going to be the guy that you'll see headlines. You'll wake up one morning 
and Eric Jones has signed or re-signed, and this is where his future will be. So, and yeah, and you, now you got me thinking about Brad, the idea that, you know, the two-car, do you think Brad would want his own team? I mean, he's got it in other divisions in racing, so w- would he would he stick his nose in the cup on his own? I think if you look at where he has gone as far as uh, his company at BK, they've gone down the technology route, um, you know, uh, so he, he's looking outside of racing with his business for opportunities. They've made some PPE items um, and designs, uh, you know, with the CAD and everything. I think if you look at Brad Kozlowski, he would be a great fit at a number of teams because let's look at this at the end of the day. Is Matt Kenseth, you know, he's almost 50. Yep. Is he a guy that you're going to want in that 42 car for a year or two more? Possibly. I mean, to me, I think Sunday showed the man hasn't lost a beat, racing like he's 38 or 28 versus 48. And so there could be a seat, though, at at the 42 car, and that could be a good opportunity for Brad Kozlowski. Or they keep Kenseth for a year or two and build some, you know, uh, stability uh, with that car. Kozlowski has other opportunities as well because there's going to be, you know, some dominoes fall. And, uh, you know, I think with the Kyle Larson situation and him out of the mix, he was going to be the lead domino. Yeah. And wherever Kyle Larson landed, that was going to start the dominoes falling. So he wait a minute. So up, where, where does Larson end up next year? Or does he? I don't think you'll see Larson next year in a, really? a NASCAR cup car. Really? I think if, I think <sighs> if you look at where he is now, I think he's going to go and uh, run outlaws like he's announced this year. I just don't know, and I could be totally wrong. I just don't know if the opportunity will present itself in this economic climate and the way the dominoes are falling. Because if you're Kyle Larson, you don't want to jump into a car that's um, less than what you're used to, so you can't produce. And then you drive your stock even further in the hole. And so I don't necessarily know if that opportunity will, will be there. I'm not Nostradamus, so I can't say, oh, and, and you, you know, you open up the newspaper the next day and, and he's landed somewhere. But I think looking at the landscape, I don't think you'll see him uh, in, in Cup next year. It could be totally wrong, but I think that's what we're looking at is where's Brad Kozlowski going to stay or is he going to go? Eric Jones, stay or is he going to go? Because at the end of the day, um, you know, you've got some possible seats at Stuart Haas. You have a seat at Hendrick Motorsports. You know, you could have something at Team Penske. So the opportunities are there uh, for these young guys to to really lock in their future. Jimmy Johnson yesterday, when, when he wrecked, and it was, you know, it was frustrating. That that was, I, I'm surprised that, that he'll, I know that, he knew that he was closing up on that guy. His his closing rate on that car in front of him. There's a reason the guy was a lap down. But you could tell Jimmy was frustrated with himself because if he did that move a hundred times, he would not have gotten that close ninety nine out of a hundred, right? I mean, he wouldn't get up on that guy's left rear. He would he would have given him plenty of room. It's the first segment. Oh, I totally agree. And I nobody was more disappointed about what took place than Jimmy Johnson himself. If you look at what he did yesterday, and you've seen hints of it all year. It's been three years in June uh, since his last win, which is at Dover, win number 83. And I did that victory lane. 
and everyone thought, all right, 84 is going to come. I mean, he had a special yeah. helmet painted up uh, celebrating Bobby Allison and Daryl Waltrip's 84 wins and joining that club. He hasn't been able to to reach that, that milestone yet. And it's one of those things where people are like, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe he's not won in almost three years. But if you look to this year, and I think it's a good example of maybe Hendrick Motorsports wasn't quite what they uh, have been in the past, the, the last year or two possibly. And you see where they are this year. At one point in the race, you had all four running in the you know the top six, top seven. And you're seeing as a company, they are reaching, they're climbing up. And it's like every team goes through it. It's cycles. And you can see where this year, with that new Camaro, with the nose, that Hendrick Motorsports, they're on the upswing. Oh, yeah. And they're starting to climb to the top of that cycle. And, and Stuart Haas was there two years ago. And when you saw Jimmy Johnson, Jim, yesterday his average running position was 2.8. And, you know, I think you're going to see win 84, possibly win 85 this year. Well, you know, and the other thing too, Matt, that the, you know, the video, that, and you guys aired it on Fox yesterday, um, Jimmy's video from inside the RV as they were leaving. That was not happy to be here, Jimmy Johnson. That was not the guy I've seen over the past couple of years, the aw shucks, thanks for everything, you know, the victory parade. He was mm-hmm. pissed off. He was pissed off in that. He was like, and the way you could see that look in his eye, and I love that look, because when he's on, he's a pain in the ass to drive against. I mean, he's that. He's one of the greatest drivers ever. I, I cannot wait for Wednesday night because I really want to see what this guy's going to do because you're right. He's got a fast car, and it felt like he's – oh, God, this is so cliche – that eye of the tiger. You know what I mean, though? He just looked like he was – He would if, if they had another car for him, he'd have got out there right then and got, got back after it just to turn laps. As I'm watching the race go on, I'm going, wow, Jimmy Johnson, man, he is kicking ass here. This, this could be the day. And everyone's going. Man, this is fantastic. Everybody wants to see. You go back to perfect example, the Golden Bear Jack Nicholas, 86 Augusta. Yeah. You go back to Jimmy Connors, 91 at the U.S. Open semis. Uh, you go back to Tiger Woods a year ago at the Masters. And when you see an athlete nearing the end of their career, and Jimmy's on his last full time cup season, and you're seeing, okay, he could be back in victory lane. He could climb that mountain one more time. And if you go back and look at Jeff Gordon, Tony Stewart, they each won in their final season in cup full time, made the playoffs, had a shot for a championship. And everyone would love to see Jimmy have one more shot at a championship and not even to get into the debate about seven, eight, the all-time great, whatever, because I don't think you can classify any driver as the all-time great because of the difference in generations and the difference in technology and equipment. But to see him go out on top with another win, possibly making it to Phoenix for the season finale and have a shot for a championship, everybody. It'd be so popular to see that one final time. I'm with you. Hey, a question. As, as we get into the schedule now, we're looking at the compressed nature of it. You know, we're having a race this Wednesday night. Obviously, you're going to be there with Fox Sports 1 Wednesday, 730, right? I'll be there in Darlington County. Really, Darlington is one of my most favorite racetracks. But when you look at the schedule, Jim, this takes me back to when I was a little kid, and we're up in Michigan, and, you know, you you had TriSAC, the the open-wheel sprint car, super-modified series. And they're running, you know, uh, Kalamazoo on a Sunday, but they might be at Owasso on a Saturday. And Friday night, you know, they could be at Berlin. And when you have the opportunity as a race fan to see seven races in 11 days, 
I mean, that's like hitting the Powerball lottery and Christmas coming combined. Yeah, but that was because, my qu- yeah no that real quick. I'm sorry, Matt. That that's my mm-hmm. question though is like. You know, the old days you could go and Fireball would go get a set of tires from somebody. Or Junior mm-hmm. Johnson would go get a front end and stick it on there. The technical build of these cars, and when they start tearing these cars up a little bit more, um, and, you know, it, when and if that happens, are they going to have enough like, spares, I guess is the word I'm looking for, to support this? I mean, are, are because they're so still so close to Charlotte, are they going to have time to turn these cars around, or is it going to be a hard hustle for some people? Well, there's a number of different advantages because of how they've laid out the schedule. And they're all within three to four hours of Charlotte, the, the first wave of, of the new schedule. And so it helps with turnaround. Now, it's going to be a tight turnaround, you know, from Wednesday night racing in Darlington to getting back to Charlotte. Now, here's the good thing is that they're racing in Charlotte. But when we start going to other places and we've got Wednesday night races, it's great for the race fan to have a midweek race. But it creates a huge logistical nightmare in some ways for the team. So you've got to have everything buttoned up, and you've got to have things in the pipeline. It's like a production line. Right. And for, for instance, look at Stuart Haas. When they started bringing their employees back in, in small waves, the first group that came back, the chassis builders and the fabricators, and it was like a production line at Ford Motor Company. They would start building new cars, sending them down the production line, and then the final wave that came back in were the finished fab, uh, and the general mechanics, you know, put in the final touches and, and, and different things like that inside the race cars. And that's what they've done is they've created a great production line so that they can meet the logistical nightmare of how this is all going to play out. Because really, at the end of the day, you're not really sure, you know, they announced the next wave of the schedule. But if something changes due to the pandemic and, and some area gets hot and they've got to call an audible and go somewhere else, you've got to have things in the queue so that, all right, yep, we've got our Martinsville stuff ready to go. Oh, we're not going to go to Martinsville. We're going to go here. Well, that's fine because we've got this car ready to go. So they've got plan A, plan B, plan C. But really, I think it goes back to the team managers and the VPA competitions and how they've laid out their strategy to deal with the schedule. And I think at the end of the day, it's going to create uh, some headaches here or there, but some welcome headaches because we're back racing. But the fan is going to be the ultimate winner. Nice. Well, well, well said, man. Yoko, man. Um, anything else we should be looking for? I mean, Harvey, Kevin obviously had the had the most consistent car the whole time. I know Penske. Boy, Penske whiffed on their setup for that last segment. I, I don't know the last time I've seen Penske cars go backwards like that at the end of a race. A great example to me, and I love the fact that we raced. Didn't have it. I always feel like, Jim, and you think about this. The events where rain created an issue limiting on-track time before the race always, to me, seemed like a better event because you didn't have somebody hit on it totally and, and just yard the competition. Everybody was somewhat close to the whole day. Yeah. And you had comers and goers throughout the race because you were dialed in at the beginning of the race, and then you got dialed out at the end. Martin Truex Jr. Martin Truex Jr. had yeah. 27 races yesterday. Yeah. And Joey Logano came in with two wins so they could throw a dart in the dark and, and see if they hit something special uh, looking ahead to going back for the Wednesday night race. So I, I think that with this format, it's really going to be interesting because you're really seeing the talent and, and the talent showcase, not only with the guy behind the wheel, but the engineers with the setups. But the one thing that stood out to me most yesterday were the over-the-wall guys because there was so much um, – 
hype and the, oh, you know, they haven't pitted a car in 71 days and, and how there's going to be mistakes here and there on pit road. You didn't see really anything Nothing. that was a mistake on pit road. One hiccup for Kevin Harvick's pit stop, uh, but it didn't seem to, to hamper his day when he walked away with his 50th NASCAR Cup Series win. I still don't understand why they don't regulate the speed on pit road. They got a button. Just hit the button. I want, and everyone says, well, that's part of the sport. Well, and I've said this to Roger Penske. I said, then I want the pit crew guys, the men you just described, and the driver to decide this race. Not if between one pylon and another, they were going 0.3 miles an hour over. Hit the button. Give those guys who come over the wall a chance to do what they do and win or lose the race for you on pit road. But when you play that stupid game with trying to cheat the timing loops, um, I'm like, every other series of racing hits a button. Hit a button. Well... But here's the thing, Jim, this is what I love, the human element, because that is what makes the ultimate reality show when it comes to, to racing and especially NASCAR racing. I love all forms of racing, you know, F1, IndyCar, sports cars, short track racing. But the one thing that I really wish is that the technology curve, if they could somehow, you know, take Dr. Sam Beckett and go back in time, quantum leap and say, okay, <laughs> We're not going to come up with traction control. We're not going to come up with paddle shifters. I love the fact that when you watch that online video I saw a week ago of Ayrton Senna, you know, one hand on the wheel, shifting with a stick shift with the other at Monaco, setting an unbelievable lap. I mean, that's what I love uh, is to see the true talent, hand-eye coordination uh, of the driver. Well, that's what I want to see. I I want to see them settle it on the track. I don't want to see them settle it because – they cheated by two tenths of a mile an hour on pit road. Yeah, I, don't I don't care. Somebody, I don't want to see somebody hitting a button on a wheel and, and you can hear the car go by like on the rev chip. I want to see a guy who maybe he pushes it too hard and makes a mistake, but I want to also see the guy who pushes it perfectly and hits it perfectly. Just like the guys that go over the wall and hit the lugs perfectly. But I want to see that on the track, not in pit road. I really don't. It's just you and I will never agree on this. It's the total package. I know. It's It's like Verners versus Diet Verners. Which one do you go with? At the end of the day, you're still a winner because it's a great product. Absolutely. Now, then how do you feel about the whole thing with segment racing when they they hit a caution? I don't like that either. I don't mind segment racing. Race for points. It's fantastic. Why are you stopping? Well, I think with the competition caution, is that what you're referring to? Yes. These competition. No, at the end of the segments. Yeah, the competition, you know, the end of segment, they, they throw a caution. Well, I, I like the segments. I, I like the fact that you do a reset because it's changed how people race. Because before, you'd have people say, all right, this is what the landscape is. These are what the rules are, and we're going to best maximize this, and maybe we're going to take care of our stuff for the first, you know, 200 laps. But that final 100 laps, we're going to be up on the wheel. I love the fact that those guys, it's the Tyler Reddick mentality. I'm here, and I'm going to kick your ass, and I'm going to kick your ass every single lap right. versus I'm going to marathon it for the first two-thirds of the event, and then I'll show up at the end. Racing has changed, and those guys compete every single lap like it's qualifying, and I love it because at the end of the day, we're all fans of the sport, and we all uh, are the ones that benefit from seeing these guys hammer down each and every lap. And that's the best thing about all this is that the and as we put a bow on this with Matt Yoakum, of course, Wednesday night on Fox Sports One, Wednesday seven thirty in Darlington, um, we're back to real storylines. We're talking about things that have happened on the track, 
not hypotheticals or, you know, what ifs and, and everything else and looking at old video, which is fantastic. I, I love it as much as everybody else. But the fact that we're talking about real storylines now, it means NASCAR's back and it, it's, it's great. Last question. Obviously, your relationship with Kevin Harvick is better than most. Is there a scenario where Kevin walks away at the end of the year? No. You'll see him run out his contract through 2023. Yeah. Great team, great organization, great communication between himself and, and Rodney Childers, uh, the car chief, Cheddar Bob Smith. I mean, he's got a great organization. And we go back to Jimmy Johnson. You go back to Tiger Woods at, the, at Augusta last year. When you have a chance, and you're and you're an athlete, you're a competitor, and you want to sit there and you just want to uh, kick the the stuffing out of your competition because you're a competitor. It's that drive, and you have all the tools at your disposal. And you look at where he is age wise, forty five, forty six, something like that, maybe forty four. I don't know. Yeah. I always joke and always tell him he's fifty, uh, <laughs> just uh, poke the bear a little bit. But when you look at the fact that you're an athlete, it's like Tom Brady. Looking at his age, two decades in the NFL, still playing at the top of his game, and he has a shot to to continue to go for another Super Bowl. If you're Kevin Harvick, you don't want to you don't want to pass up yeah. the opportunity to maybe score a second championship, a third championship before you hang up the helmet and, and define your place in, in NASCAR racing history. So you'll see him run out his contract, which at this juncture goes through twenty three. Awesome. All right, Matt, you're the best, man. It's great catching up. I know we were playing phone tag and stuff, and and uh, I'm looking forward to Wednesday night. Any, anything else special for Wednesday night we should know about? No, I, I would just say this. Uh, for the folks that you know listen online uh, to Big Jim's Garage, and they're down here in the Carolinas, always remember, when you see the speed limit sign in McBee, and it says, watch your speed, the big sign with the finger pointing at you, they're not kidding. Oh, really? Because you don't speed in McBee. That's like the biggest uh, speed trap in America. It has been that way for as long as I've been going to Darlington since 1995. Hold on. So you just hear you hear this song every time you're like, He's and Is that just playing in, on your radio to give you a heads up that you're, you're in that town? You keep waiting to see Buford T. Justice <laughs> hiding behind a billboard. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect <laughs> for the law. Now, give me a Diablo you sandwich know. and a Dr. Pepper and make it fast because I'm going to goddamn her. All right. And I'll tell you this. The greatest thing about that movie and how Needham, the director, was a close friend of mine, and we talked hours on end about all the great backstories, so much of uh, Jackie Gleason's on-air performance, on-screen performance, was all ad lib. Come on. The the great scene where he walks out of the restaurant with the toilet paper on his glasses. He said, Mr. Director, uh, give me a minute. I got an idea on something. And that was all that was all ad lib from the hit Jackie Gleason. That's fantastic. The Diablo sandwich was a Jackie Gleason. So much in that movie uh, was a shoot from the hip. Because he was so creative. The first thing I'm going to do when I get home is smack your mama in the face because there's <laughs> no way you come from my lines. No way. Yep. Uh, what a fantastic film. God, feel good, man. All right. Matt, you're the best, buddy. We'll stay in touch. Have fun Wednesday night. I know you will. And also a great follow on all our social media platforms. Matt Yoakum from Fox, man. Be well, buddy. All right. Thanks, brother. There we go. Uh, Matt Yoakum, Fox, Wednesday night, of course. Uh, going to be out there again on Fox Sports 1, excuse me. FS1 Wednesday night, Matt will be working it for Fox. NASCAR is back. Great race 
over the weekend. Um, if you guys have comments on that, always just you can hit me up on Twitter at WCSX Jim or just respond to Big Jim Scratch here. Uh, before we get out of here, it's funny. Um, as you know, if you're a regular, I'll review vehicles. And honestly, I haven't really been doing a lot because of the, the quarantine and whatnot or whatever it is. I haven't had a huge opportunity to do a lot of vehicles. Would like to change that. We'll, we'll get back to doing more reviews. But one of the vehicles that I drove right before all this was the 2020 Honda CRV. And I, I realized and I apologize that I, I hadn't posted a review sooner. So I started thinking about it. And I couldn't remember anything specific about it. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is going to turn into one of those where I'm taking a shot at, at the car. I'm really not. And then I saw one and memory started coming back into my brain about this. I've said it before that CUVs and SUVs are like belly buttons, right? If you feel like they're everywhere and you really don't notice them, they don't stand out. You can look at a, at a Mazda or a Toyota RAV4 or an Escape or, you know, the, the Blazer Equinox, that whole vibe, you know, what, what, all these CUVs, SUVs. Here's the funny part, though. I was reading some reviews over the weekend from other folks. I was just curious what they thought of the CRV. Somebody used the word dull. I don't agree with that at all. That one, yeah, come on. It's not dull. Um, the other thing they used was that they said that it, it wasn't exciting to drive. Okay. All right, maybe. Maybe if that's, if that's what you want to go with, that's one thing. But out of all the CUVs that I've driven over the years, none of them are consistently as solid and smart as the Honda CRV, none of them, none of them. Great layout. I'm six five, and I've got comfortable seating in the back. It is so smart the way it is set up, and the little little details. Now, there's a hybrid unit this year. You're going to get up into the 30s if you start going down. If you go for the Touring Edition and whatnot, and I would go Touring. Um, but getting back to the, the small details, a little bit of trim, they clean that up. The grill I think looks great. More room. I've got like a Pixel phone. More room for wireless charging. And some people said maybe the entertainment system, the infotainment system doesn't work as well as some of the other ones. Well, here's the thing. It actually works better and it works every time. So why would you rub the fur off a teddy bear if it works? Again, I don't want to bash people who review vehicles for a living because that's not what we do. But I don't know what you're looking for in a CUV. If you have no kids and you're 23 years old, I'm not sure you're the best person to be looking at a CUV. I'm just saying. The Honda CRV is simply put the best CUV in the market. It is. It is. You can, it's got tons of room, plenty of storage, plenty of cup holders, plenty of charging ports, great visibility, great visibility. The A-pillar design, everything. I never felt like I was blinded by some of these ones. Some of the CUVs I've driven, I'm like, when you look, you got a huge blind spot. Not a problem. Mileage, I think I was getting 32. Yeah, you can get better mileage some vehicles, but for a total package, you're going to be really, really, really hard-pressed to find something as solid and consistent and just, I don't know, good. It's damn good. The Honda CRV, man. So there you go. And again, don't want to bash the critics, but I guess I just did. All right, wrap it up here. It's Big Jim's Garage, part of the B-Pod Studios. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We're going to get into it over the next couple of weeks, man. We got NASCAR underway. We got IndyCar coming back. Didn't get a chance to talk about that. All the changes in, in Formula One. Sebastian Vettel out of a ride. Carlos Sainz goes there. 
Ricardo going to McLaren. They're doing all this now. We're supposed to wait for the silly season. Not now. It's going to be good, man. Plus, what happens with the auto industry? No auto shows. When do we see finally see the Bronco? The new F-150 they've been talking about. A lot of hybrid models. What's going to be coming? When are we going to see these cars? I know Toyota, even as we record this now, Toyota rolling out some new vehicles today. Check it out. All right. You guys, be good. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Okay,